You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Carr. Today is Wednesday, May 19th, and Gonzaga's nine-game winning streak has finally come to an end. The Zags got beat up by the Ducks in the middle innings on Tuesday night, and they lost their first game in over a month. Today on the show, we are going to do a bunch of recapping. We will recap that game against Oregon, and we will recap the Pacers and Wizards NBA playing games with DeMonta Sabonis and Rui Hachimura. We will also preview a plethora of overseas Zags who have playoff games on Wednesday morning. And of course, we will get to another recruiting class as we continue our countdown of rankings. Before we get to that, let me tell you that there is no better place to get all of your Pac-12 conference news than the Locked on Pac-12 podcast hosted by Cindy Robinson. Follow the Locked on Pac-12 podcast on the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're going to start today with some Gonzaga baseball. Like I mentioned yesterday, D1Baseball.com is the main bracketologist, and they came out with their newest bracketology on Tuesday morning prior to the Gonzaga-Oregon game, and they had Gonzaga as the 15 overall seed, which means they are hosting in the Spokane Regional. It's Gonzaga, Oregon State, North Carolina, and UConn, which is very similar to what uh, College Sports Madness has in their bracketology. So they have Gonzaga as one of the 16 schools hosting a regional. One of those other schools that is hosting a regional is Oregon in the Eugene Regional. And those two schools met up on Tuesday night. And I had mentioned in the preview yesterday that it's going to be a bullpen game for uh, both teams. And both teams have very good offenses. And it would be a matter of which pitching staff could hold the other offense down. And to start, Gonzaga actually got off to a 3-0 lead. They got a two-run double in the top of the second inning from seldom-used Alex Zerfass, who was the designated hitter on Tuesday night. And so he had a two-run double, gave Gonzaga a 2-0 lead, and they added on in the third when Tyler Rando hit a double. So Gonzaga was up 3-0 in the top of the third inning, and they had gotten two scoreless innings from Nico Zeglin. And Nico Zeglin uh, ended up starting the game for Gonzaga. And I had mentioned yesterday... Uh, that Nico Zeglin and Bradley Mullen, one of those two guys would start, and most likely both of them would end up pitching in that game. And if they could get three solid innings from either or both of those guys, then they would likely have a chance at winning. But I had also mentioned that both of them had been very inconsistent throughout the year, and that was on display on Tuesday night. Nico Zeglin threw two scoreless innings to start the game, and then he gave up four runs in the third, uh, and Oregon took a 4-3 to three lead. Zeglin only pitched two and a third innings, gave up four runs on four hits and a couple of walks. Jacob Rutherford came in, pitched two and two-thirds out of the bullpen. He was solid, only gave up one run uh, on two hits. And so uh, Gonzaga's bats went cold. And so after five innings, it was five to three, but Gonzaga obviously still in striking distance. That is when Bradley Mullen came into the game, uh, hoping that he could pitch two or three scoreless innings in relief. He did not get a single out. He gave up three hits and he hit a batter. All four guys would come around to score uh, when Michael Spellacy took the mound. And just like that, Oregon took a 10 to three lead and that would be the final score. Ducks finish with 10 runs on 12 hits. Gonzaga finishes with three runs on six hits. And it was the middle of the order that we talked about yesterday with the Oregon Ducks. 
Their designated hitter, Kenyon Yavon, he went two for three or two for four rather with three RBIs, a double, and a homer. Uh, their first baseman, Gabe Matthews, two for four, two RBIs, a pair of doubles. And their shortstop, Josh Kesevich, who was one of the hardest hitters to get out and strike out in all of baseball, he went three for four with a couple RBIs as well. So the two through five hitters combined for eight hits and seven RBIs uh, of the Ducks' 10 runs. So Gonzaga loses to the Ducks. Uh, it's not the end of the world, obviously. The Ducks are a top 10 team or so. Um, but now Gonzaga heads home and they've got six games left. They've got three games at home against San Francisco this coming weekend. And they've got three games, three huge games to finish the season against San Diego, which will determine the uh, winner of the WCC. Gonzaga is still uh, 17th in the RPI. And so I would imagine uh, taking two out of three in both of those series will keep them in the top 20 in the RPI. And that may or may not be enough depending on uh, what other schools do around them to host that regional. Obviously, a win tonight would have uh, been a huge boost to that resume, but a loss is obviously not killer. Um, I think the two options at this point seem to be hosting a regional or going to Eugene for uh, Oregon's regional where they'll have to face each other again. Those seem like the two most likely options at the end of the season for Gonzaga. But my opinion is if they go 4-2 and two or 5-1, and one, Obviously, six and zero would would get it done, but I think four and two or five and one um, will likely give Gonzaga a Spokane regional to host in the uh, the regional round of the NCAA tournament. But we'll see what happens here in the final two weekends of the season. Okay, coming up, we are going from baseball to basketball. Demontis Sabonis, Rui Hachimura. Both of them played in play-in games last night in the NBA, so we'll recap those. And we're going to preview what's happening today because there are a whole bunch of pro Zags playing in the playoffs, both in the NBA and overseas. So we'll get to all of that here in just a second. But first, Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market. It is the amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate and all bars. Salted caramel is the best flavor in my opinion, it is absolutely delicious, and I suggest you try it. But if that's not what you want, you can try a mixed box with multiple flavors. That's what I did the last time I went to Built Bar. All of their flavors are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 to 19 grams of protein, around 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, let's get to some pro zags, and we're going to start in the NBA with the NBA uh, play-in tournament beginning on Tuesday night. The Pacers kept their season alive, beating the Hornets 144 to 117. Uh, they were unconscious uh, shooting the basketball from deep. Doug McDermott had a huge first half. Malcolm Brogdon returned from injury. He played well. O'Shea Brissett also played well. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis struggled a little bit from the field. Uh, he thought he got fouled on a whole bunch of possessions in the first half. Refs weren't calling their whistles on it. Uh, he finished with just 14 points on 7-15 shooting. Did not get to the free throw line at all, which is very, very rare for him. But he had 9 assists and 21 rebounds a monster on the glass DeMontis Bonus 21 rebounds so the Pacers stay alive 
and they will face the Washington Wizards and Rui Hachimura in a win or go home game on Thursday because the Wizards fell victim to Jason Tatum's 50 points uh, for the Boston Celtics. The Celtics beat the Wizards 118 to 100. Uh, Rui Hachimura was straddled with foul trouble the entire game. He only played 17 minutes, had five fouls, scored just eight points. Uh, and so the uh, combination of his foul trouble and uh, Westbrook and Bradley Beal's uh, inefficient shooting, Wizards went three for 21 from deep, which is obviously not ideal. And then you had Jason Tatum scoring 50 points, going 17 for 17 from the free throw line. And that's enough for the Celtics to become the seven seed in the NBA playoffs. So, on Thursday, we get the Pacers going to Washington to face the Wizards Thursday night. The winner is the eight seed in the NBA playoffs. The loser goes home. DeMontis Sabonis versus Rui Hachimura with a playoff spot on the line. Wednesday night, tonight, uh, Brandon Clark and the Memphis Grizzlies look to keep their season alive. They host the San Antonio Spurs. If they win that game, they will travel to California and either take on the Warriors or the Lakers, uh, whichever team loses um, Wednesday night's game. The winner of the Warriors and Lakers is the seventh seed. The loser will host either the uh, Spurs or Grizzlies, and the winner of that game on Friday will become the eighth seed in the Western Conference. And, of course, uh, we will recap the Grizzlies game tomorrow on the show. If you want to watch that game, it's on Wednesday night, tonight, 4.30 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN. Okay, now we jump overseas. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Yesterday, uh, Nigel Williams-Goss' team, uh, Locomotive Kuban, they lost game one of their series in the VTB United League in overtime. Nigel Williams-Goss did not play, and I cannot find a reason why. They just said that he was ruled out for the game, which is interesting. So Nigel Williams-Goss' team is now down uh, 1-0 in a best-of-five semifinal series, as is Kevin Pangos' team. Obviously, those two teams, like I've said before, the top two teams in the league. So to be down 1-0, obviously disappointing for both of them, uh, but plenty of time to get back in the series. Kevin Pangos plays this morning, and Nigel Williams-Goss plays on Thursday morning to try to even their series up, assuming Nigel Williams-Goss can play. Uh, it would be... Unfortunate if those two teams made the championship and Nigel Williams-Goss was unavailable because it would be super cool to see Pangos and Goss go against each other. But of course, I'll keep you updated on all that. Like I said, Kevin Pangos and Zenit St. Petersburg playing today, Wednesday morning in game two of their series, the top overall seed in the tournament looking to even up their best of five series. Some other players in action on Wednesday morning. Jeremy Jones playing in Germany. They play uh, game one of their uh, three-game quarterfinal series. Jeremy Jones playing in Germany. He's played 34 games this year, averaging right around 25 minutes, uh, averaging nine points, three rebounds a game, shooting 43% from deep. I've mentioned on here before that uh, Jeremy Jones has become a knockdown three-point shooter. Um, that's kind of the, the role that he's had on the team this year. 43% from deep. His team in Germany plays game one of their quarterfinal series today at 10.30 a.m. in Germany. Uh, Silas Melson, he's playing at 11.30 today, and he's playing in Belgium this year. He's been averaging 17 points a game this season, which is uh, very impressive for Limburg United in Belgium. He's averaged uh, 30 minutes a game, shooting 39% from deep, 80% from the free throw line, three rebounds, two assists, a steal and a half to go with those 17 points. So very impressive season for Silas Melson and his playoff uh, journey begins today, this afternoon, in game one of his quarterfinal series. 
And if you would like a throwback, Austin Day playing in Italy right now. Uh, They had a game four of their five-game quarterfinal series yesterday, and that series is now tied 2-2. to Austin Day, like I said, playing in Italy, and he's averaged right around 10 points a game for each of the last two or three seasons now playing in Italy. So game five of that series is coming up later this week if you're interested in Austin Day playing overseas. So that's four overseas Zags playing in playoff games today and also Brandon Clark playing in the uh, NBA play-in tournament. So five guys, five former Gonzaga basketball players all playing in some sort of playoff action uh, around the globe today. And of course, tomorrow on the show, we will recap all of those and also preview the big showdown between Rui Hachimura and uh, DeMontis Sabonis coming up on Thursday night. Okay, coming up, we are going to reveal another recruiting class. This one is the 16th ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. We are getting very, very close to the top 15. Today's class, it consists of two guys who transferred out early in their careers, and then a solid uh, role-playing point guard who started most of his games in a Gonzaga uniform, and then the star, who is arguably the most important international recruit in school history. But of course, we've got to talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and the NBA and NHL are in the playoffs. If you want to bet on the Rui Hachimura versus DeMontis Sabonis game on Thursday night, Bet Online is the perfect place to do it. Go to Bet Online and get all your latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Okay, like always, a very quick recap uh, for those that are just new here. Over the next month, we are counting down the worst recruiting class to the best recruiting class of the Mark Few era. Like I said, we are getting close to the top 15 now. These rankings do include transfers, and one of those transfers is in today's class, and those transfers count from the year they entered the program. The most notable walk-ons also included. These are my own personal rankings. Always feel free to debate them, uh, but they are a combination of talent, success, and what I think they meant to the program as a whole. Today, the 16th ranked recruiting class is the class of 2001. The class of 2001, and we'll go from back to first here. Dustin Vilpig, Josh Riesman, Winston Brooks, Roni Turioff, the star of the class, Roni Turioff, who I'll get to in a second, but I believe is the most important international recruit in school history. And I'm not even sure that you can argue for anybody else besides Roni. But we'll start from back to first. Vil Peeg had a very interesting career. He was a six foot nine forward um, from California, and he started his career at Gonzaga, where he redshirted his first season and then played just four games as a redshirt freshman. He then transferred to uh, Dixie State, where he played uh, for 25 games 
uh, at the JC level, where he averaged just under 10 points and five rebounds, and he led the conference in field goal percentage at 65%. So then he went to UNLV to finish out his career, and he played 60 games for the running Rebels, and in his senior season, he started 27 of the 29 games he played in, averaged 24 minutes, averaged six points and five rebounds, and shot just under 60%. So a, a decent role player uh, in his senior season. And now we move to Josh Reisman. So he had a fascinating quote that I found um, from Mark Few when he first committed to the program. There's a news release, November 14th, the year 2000, and it has a Mark Few quote for uh, for Josh Reisman and Bill Puig and uh, Winston Brooks, who I'll get to in a second. Uh, when talking about Josh Reisman, he said, Josh is from a very successful high school program. He plays both guard spots and shoots the ball well as a point guard. I would compare him to Dan Dickow. With more development and more time at that spot, he should be a real good player down the road. Well, it turns out that that is not at all what happened uh, with Josh Reisman. So he redshirted his freshman season like he was expected to. And then in his redshirt freshman season, he appeared in 30 games all off the bench. He averaged right around 10 minutes a game and he averaged three points. He actually played uh, very briefly in one of uh, Gonzaga's two NCAA tournament games that year. And then he transferred. He went to uh, junior college. He went to San Jose City Community College. Shout out to the Jaguars. Uh, where he averaged 14 and a half points and three rebounds and two assists. And so after he was done in San Jose, he transferred to BYU. And this was before BYU uh, basically exploded with Jimmer Fredette. That season, BYU went 9-21. and 21. Josh Reisman was on the team. He played one game, and he then transferred out again. So he wasn't super successful at Gonzaga, transferred to a JC, transferred to BYU where he didn't play at all, and then he finished his career at Azusa Pacific where he was a double-figure scorer for the Cougars. So a not quite exactly like Dan Dickow, like Mark Few had predicted and compared him to. Um, he had four teams in four years, essentially. Gonzaga, San Jose Community College, BYU, Azusa Pacific. So that is the high school career, of, or the college career, I should say, of Josh Reisman. Now we move to Winston Brooks. And Winston Brooks, I actually got to interview when I was in college. Um, he was an incredibly nice guy. He now works for the Spokane Police Department, for those that do not know. Um, but as a basketball player, he came in from North Idaho College. He was a six-foot point guard. He actually started his career at Howard College and then went to uh, North Idaho uh, College for his sophomore year. So he played his final two years at Gonzaga, where he was mainly their starting point guard for the vast majority of those two seasons he was there in the 02 and 03 seasons. Um, in that uh, senior season in 2003, he played 33 games, started 30 of them, averaged 25 minutes at three points and three assists. And he was a, a pretty good uh, lockdown defender uh, for that 2003 team who lost in that uh, double overtime thriller to Arizona. In that game, Winston Brooks played 41 of the 50 minutes. He was two for three from the field. He had six rebounds, four assists, and just one turnover going against some of the best talent that Arizona has seen uh, in their program's history. So shout out to Winston Brooks. Like I said, he's now uh, working for the Spokane Police Department. Incredibly nice guy. I've got to talk to him when I was in college. Uh, he was very, very generous with his time and sharing stories both on and off the court. So now we get to Roni Turioff the most important international recruit in Gonzaga history. 
He came from Paris, uh, from INSEP, which is the same academy that Gonzaga ended up getting Joel Ayayi and I believe Killian Tilly from, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, later on, you know, 15, 20 years later. Uh, but Turioff came in in 2001, and his freshman year, he was a good role player, uh, averaged seven and a half points and five rebounds, and you knew right away that this guy was going to be something. And we've heard a story from one of our uh, listeners about how he used to stay up simply because he enjoyed watching Roni Turioff play uh, on the East Coast until midnight. So as a sophomore, he averaged 15 and a half. As a junior, he averaged 15 and a half. As a senior, he averaged 16. He was WCC Player of the Year. Um, was basically a walking double-double that senior year at 16 points and just under 10 rebounds for the season. For his career, he finished 7th all-time, or at least he currently stands 7th all-time in points, um, just in front of Matt Bolden behind Matt Santangelo. He is 3rd all-time in blocks behind Casey Cavalry and Robert Sacre. He's fifth all-time in rebounds behind Corey Violet and just ahead of Shamit Karnowski. And he is tied for 12th all-time in wins with 106. Of course, he went on to have a pretty much a decade-long NBA career. It was highlighted with a championship in the 2012 season with the Miami Heat. His most successful run came in the late 2000s when he played with the Lakers and the Warriors. Uh, he started more games with the Warriors than any other team. Those late 2000s Warriors teams just after the We Believe season. So uh, 2009, 2010, uh, he ended up starting 46 games over two years, averaged right around 20, 21 minutes, uh, and had four and a half uh, rebounds to go with about five points, six points a game. Um, so Roni Turioff, like I said, and everybody knows, he paved the way for more and more international recruits. He was the big, big original get um, from Tommy Lloyd, and his biggest impact was the first huge international success story for Gonzaga, and he paved the way for future stars who have taken Turioff's success and multiplied it. And with the amount of talent that now surrounds these international recruits, um, you know, they're taking Gonzaga to, to new levels. So uh, shout out to Roni Turioff. Like I said, I don't even think you can make an argument. I think he is the most important international recruit. Without him early on in the Tommy Lloyd, Mark Few era, uh, I don't think Gonzaga gets off to the international success that they were looking for. And with him, it paved the way for more and more recruits and became the powerhouse that it is now. Okay, that is going to do it for today's show. I apologize if my voice sounds a little different or a little bit hoarse. Uh, high school basketball season has started finally in Spokane. And so we had our first game last night. And as coaches, sometimes you lose your voice a little bit. Um, and so it was very, very exciting to get back on the court. Uh, we had a, a tough loss, but uh, it was great to see the kids out there playing, um, those seniors especially, getting one last season in there. So tomorrow on the show, we are going to recap all the action overseas with pro zags in the playoffs. And of course, we are going to get to another recruiting class. This one in the number 15 class has one of the best and one of the most entertaining duos in Gonzaga history. Don't forget, you can tune in to the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today, of course, they're talking about Jason Tatum's ridiculous performance against the Washington Wizards. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave a review with your Gonzaga story, and I'll read them every Friday on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. 
You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with your story or any questions, ideas, concerns, whatever you want, feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.